This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Find, find in your Bible, 2 Kings chapter uh, 22, verses, we're going to start verse 11 in just a few moments. Welcome to our guests. We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we are having communion and we're going to be continuing our series, uh, The Resolution Revolution, and we're now in the second phase of that series um, about renewal, and we're asking God to renew us. One of the scriptures that began this year, we met uh, Sunday, January 1st, and we had several scriptures, one that went with each major part of this, this series, and the one that went with this part, I want us to look at again, and, and let's just read this verse together. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. Read it with me, please. Youths may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So this is the second of the three declarations uh, that we are talking about God giving us as a church this year, renew me, Lord, and, and uh, I need renewal, and so do you. Whether you, If you don't realize that you need renewal, you really need renewal, all right? Let me put it that way. Some of you say, I don't need renewal. I'm, uh, I'm okay, you're okay. You're the one that really needs renewal if you don't recognize daily God wants to renew things in my life. Give me a new start. Some of us that are, have already begun to pray for renewal and for revival, and we're seeing signs of God doing exactly that among us. And it's really exciting to see that I'm, I'm going to share something this evening, I think, at our dedication of our youth space. But God's already showing some things uh, to us very clearly that, that he's shaking things up and that he's reviving and he's renewing us here in Nagshead Church. We're seeing God doing exactly that among us, not necessarily in the ways we might have expected God often does that as well. He doesn't always do, you know, if we had renewal, revival, here's kind of how I think it might happen, God. And God loves to go, you're, you're so goofy. That's not how it's going to work. You know, I've got a different plan. But we see his hand at work in some very profound ways. Now, at the end of the gathering this morning, I want to introduce you to something that we're going to ask all of us who are part of Nagset Church to do together in just a couple of weeks uh, in seeking renewal. So I, I want you not to let me forget to talk about that. Now, if our passion as a church and our passion as individual believers in Jesus Christ is to be renewed, it wouldn't hurt to know how God has brought about renewal among his people in the past. It's good. I'm, I'm one of those people that believes it's good to know your history. It's good to study history. It's good to know the events that happened in the past. And of course, the, the, the mindset is if you know what, what happened in the past, especially the mistakes that happened in the past, you're kind of less likely to repeat those things in the future. You know, that's how we think. And that's why it's good for us to, to know and learn history. And, uh, one of those times that God brought renewal in scriptures is found in the story of the king of Judah, a young man named Josiah. And we started this last week in chapter 23. Actually, we began two weeks ago in chapter 22. Last week, we started chapter 23. And we saw that the first step of renewal was regeneration. When we left Josiah last week, we found that he was, as a young man, he was not like his father and his grandfather 
before him who had permitted and promoted pagan worship in Judah. But it starts off this chapter saying he was like David. He was a man after God's own heart. Wasn't perfect, but was seeking after God. So there was regeneration with this brand new start. Then the next step we saw last Sunday in in renewal is restoration as he then instructed the high priest, look, I want you to go to the temple and the money that we've been collecting for some time now to restore the temple and repair the damages that have been done from from abuse and from neglect. It just hasn't been been taken care of in years and years and years. I want you to take all that money. I want you to give it to, to those who will supervise the contractors. Give them the money. Let them go and let them take care of fixing and restoring the temple, the place of worship, to its previous glory. And in the process of fixing the temple, while they were doing that, and they're hauling stuff out, you know, they got these big dumpsters outside uh, that they're going to haul away broken stuff and they're going to replace it with new stuff. And, and they're hauling things out. They come upon, we don't know where in the temple it was, maybe in a closet, maybe buried in, in a box, somewhere under a pile of stuff, maybe up in the attic. You don't really know. But they come upon, they discover a copy of the scroll of the law of God, the first five books of the Bible, what we call the Pentateuch, the books that Moses wrote. It's supposed to be in the holiest place, the Holy of Holies, beside the Ark of the Covenant. But for some reason, we don't know who, we don't know when, but in the past, somebody decided to remove that from its place and stuck it in a place where nobody knew where it was. It was forgotten. And they discovered it. They found this scroll. The scroll was bought, brought back and, and it was read to the king. If you'll look with me, we're in chapter 22. I told you chapter 23. I'm sorry, chapter 22. If you look with me in verse 9, Shaphan returned to the king and reported, your officials have given the money collected at the temple of the Lord to, to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also said to the king, Hilkiah the hill priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard, when Josiah heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. And then he gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asiah, the king's personal advisor. Here's what he said to them. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Ask him about the words written in this scroll that has been found. The Lord's anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We must not, we we have not been doing what this scroll says we must do. Let's stop there. Step number three in renewal is repentance. Repentance. We're going to see that enact right here in this story. Have you ever heard, some, heard of someone or seen someone? He hears the word of God read to him. This fellow reads it to him the law, and as a result of what he hears, the king tears his clothes, rips his clothes apart. That's kind of an odd, bizarre thing for us. Have you ever seen anybody do that in despair, you know, rip their clothes? You know, we see some bizarre, bizarre things these, these days. Did you, anybody watch the Grammys last Sunday night? You know, there's some bizarre things that, that come on the, on the Grammys. Uh, people dress in, in ways that cause me despair, you know? Um, 
But what caused him, this fellow, what caused this king Josiah to, to tear his clothes was what he heard from the word of God. And that would be a showstopper in church, wouldn't it? After reading the scriptures, those of us who felt conviction suddenly stood up and began to rip our clothes apart. Um, uh, you know, I, that, that would be, I've never seen that. Frankly, don't want to see anything like that. I've had some people ask us, by the way, I think mostly in jest, well, do y'all handle snakes over there? And I say, no, we, we don't, we're not into that. But, but, but no, we don't handle snakes, but we're clothes rippers. You know, that would be a, <laughs> we don't do that. That was a, it was a, for them in their culture, their time, it was a cultural sign of sorrow and of grief. And I'm glad it's not a part of our culture, aren't you? Remember when, uh, in the Old Testament, when Jacob, he had all those sons, those 12 sons, and his sons came to him and said, Dad, your son Joseph, our brother, has been killed by wild beasts, and they had and they had taken Jacob's or Joseph's coat of many colors, remember? They did kill an, an animal and put the blood on it, making it look like he had been murdered. And they told him that news, and, and, and Joseph was his favorite son, the one he loved so much. And, and the Bible says when he heard that news, he tore his clothes. When Israel, the nation of Israel, was on their way into the promised land, when they were shockingly defeated in battle, they expected to win every time because God was with them. And then suddenly they faced a country called Ai and, and they were defeated. When they later learned their defeat was caused by one man's disobedience. But when Joshua and the leaders of the nation saw the military defeat, it says they tore their clothes and threw dust on their heads and bowed before the Ark of the Covenant until evening. When Job, that great righteous man Job, when in Job chapter 1, when the messenger comes back to him to tell him, you know, not only have you lost all of your, your, your livestock and your crops have been destroyed, but I've got the worst news of all for you, Job. Your children were all together in a house and a terrible storm came, like a tornado came up and blew the walls in on the house and all of your kids are dead. The Bible says Job tore his clothes, ripped his clothes it was a cultural expression in the Middle East. And they may still practice that today, I don't know. But it was an expression of grief and sorrow that went beyond crying and went beyond weeping. Likely it was what caused this was when Shaphan got to Deuteronomy chapter 28, when God's words gripped Josiah's heart is he was reading through this law and he gets near the very end of it in the 28th chapter, and in those chapter in those chapters, especially chapter 28 down through verse 30, God, chapter 30, God spells out what will take place in their nation if they break the covenant promises they made with him and if they worship other gods. They were like no other nation on earth in that they had a unique contractual agreement, a covenant with the Lord that he would be their God and they would be his people. They had this agreement that they made with him and that they reaffirmed on several occasions, you're our God, we're your people. Repentance, what is it? Well, where does it come from? One thing we can see from this, this story is repentance comes from knowing I have disobeyed God. 
That was, that's what Josiah said. We have not done the things that are written in this scroll, in God's law. We have disobeyed. Repentance springs from a knowledge, I've disobeyed God. The warnings that, they get, that God gave them spelled out disaster that would come upon them because they had broken the covenant of God. Young Josiah knew that things had to change, and things had to change now. He read the word of God, and he said, this is not right what we're doing. And I find it incredibly fascinating. that This is the first time, most likely, that he's ever heard these words read. In his whole life, he's 20, 26 years old. He's never heard this because it's disappeared from their culture. The old timers know it, but Josiah does not. And I find it amazing that the very first time, likely, that he hears the word of God, he immediately accepts it as truth. And his heart, we see, is receptive and tender to the word of God. And he realized God is going to judge my people, his people, for our disobedience. And in his mind, there was no doubt. Let me ask you a question. Do you really believe the word of God? I mean, really do you believe the word of God? It's when we're open to what he has to say in the scriptures that renewal can begin in us. Last Sunday, one of our partners here at Nagshead Church, came up to me after the worship gathering. I was standing down here in the front. She came up and said, Rick, I don't know who plans your sermons. And I don't know who plans the songs that we sing. Well, I plan the sermons. If you're talking humanly speaking, I plan the sermons, and Nathan finds songs that go with the message, but we hope and we pray that, that God is the one who's directing us all. She said, I don't know why you preached that today, and I don't know why we sang that today, but the song and the message was an answer to a huge prayer in my life. And after hearing the message, hearing the scriptures, hearing what one of those songs says, I know what I've got to do now. I've got to act upon what I've heard from the Lord today. And it was something that to her, for her, was a huge step of faith. Well, that's the heart that Josiah had. That's the heart that we all need if renewal is going to happen in us. Repentance comes from knowing I've disobeyed God. Then next, the knowledge, that knowledge that I've disobeyed God produces godly sorrow in me. That knowledge that I've done that causes me to be sorrowful. It starts with knowing, here's God's words, what it says, and then the next step is, And I'm sorry, God, that I've disobeyed. Here's what those words said that caused such great sorrow in Josiah from Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 to 20. Reading from the word of God. But if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands and statutes I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and kneading bowl meaning your source of what, ladies? Food. Your basket and kneading bowl will be cursed. Your descendants will be cursed. Your soil's produce, the young of your herds, the newborn of your flocks. And it goes on and on. I'm just pulling out just a portion of this passage. You will be cursed when you come in 
and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send curses against you, confusion and rebuke in everything you do until you are destroyed and quickly perish because of the wickedness of your actions in abandoning me. And he heard that and he ripped his clothes in godly sorrow. And he said, oh my God, I never knew. But I believe what you said is true and tore him apart. James says that belief in the word of God results, by the way, in doing the word of God. Ask you a moment, do you believe it? And I'm sure most of us probably know, yeah, I'm in church, doofus. Yeah, I believe the word of God. How do you know you believe it? Here's what James says in James 1, through 25. Obey God's message. Don't fool yourselves by just listening to it. If you hear the message and don't obey it, you're like people who stare at themselves in a mirror and forget what they look like as soon as they leave. You must never stop looking at the perfect law, speaking of the scriptures, that sets you free. God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey and don't just hear and forget. Jesus said it, he, in just one sentence, Jesus in John 14, 15 said, if you love me, obey my commandments. That's what Jesus said. So this morning, is your heart open and is it tender to God's word? Or be honest, does the word of God go in this ear and come out that one and never make any connection in between? Never do anything to change your life? Like Josiah it could very well could be in, the, in this room this morning. It could be that for someone here today, this could be like Josiah. Josiah could be the first time that you've heard the word of God. So let me encourage you, if so, don't shut it off. And, and if it's not the first time you've heard it, don't shut it off. Allow God to speak to you through the word. If God's tugging at your heart to believe it and to respond, it, to, respond to it, then obey him. And you'll be glad you, you did. So he had this knowledge now of what the word said. And that knowledge produced godly sorrow in him. Well, the next thing we know about repentance and this process of renewal is that knowledge and sorrow lead to a reversal in my life. A turnaround. A 180. The next thing Josiah did was Josiah sought Godly advice as to what he should do. Again, he's the king. He can do pretty much what he wants. He's the king. But he hears the word of God for the very first time. He's aware, you know, most likely the high priest knows this stuff. Most likely there are other people around, advisors, older folks who know what God's word says. But I need to know what God wants me to do now to try to change this. And I think what jumps out here about Josiah, there's no doubt that this was an emotional time for Josiah. Godly sorrow. He rips his clothes. He is in agony in his heart. There's tears, no doubt. As he humbles himself. I mean, in front of Shaphan, his servant, who's reading this, he rips his clothes. There's humility there. This is an emotional moment for Josiah. But then his next step is not to respond emotionally, separate from his emotions. By the way, your emotions are part of who you are. You, you can't escape them. 
And we're not supposed to. We're emotional beings. God made us that way. But please hear me. Because some of you, some of us are so driven by our emotions, whether it be anger or whether it be sadness, whether it be grief, whether it be outrage. A lot of times we just don't have a grip, control in that part of our lives. We, we can't escape our emotions, but we can control them and get the Holy Spirit to take them in control of our lives and keep our emotions from propelling us into saying things and acting out in ways for which we will later be sorry. Have you ever said that? Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. Remember when mom told you, growing up, count to 10. You know, did you ever have mom tell you that? You know, go ahead, before you lose your temper, count to 10. If 10 doesn't work, count to 20. Keep on going until you, you cool down. Josiah was sorrowful because he was king, and as king, the nation's disobedience or obedience to God really counted on his leadership. The buck stopped at Josiah's throne. And so here he is for the first time realizing how bad our nation is really is, what the condition we're in. He's realizing how much they've disobeyed. He's known things were not right. He started to improve things and set them on the right path, but now he realizes just how bad it is for generations. They had lulled themselves into a numb stupor that everything is okay. Apostle Paul in the New Testament had to confront the Corinthian church about their behavior, because it was not honoring to God. And as he wrote them a letter, he knew that he needed to speak directly to them, in fact, somewhat harshly to them, for for them to understand how bad off they were. And he knew that was going to cause them pain. And he says that to them, but he also expresses to them, but I want you to understand, it's a good kind of pain because it's going to lead to life change in your church. Listen to his words, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 9 through 10. He said, now I'm glad I sent it, talking about the letter that he previously sent. You know 1 Corinthians? If you've read 1 Corinthians, you know Paul says, listen up, you guys are messed up here, 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 and here. And he goes through all this list of things that they were way out of God's will in doing. And now he's, he's referring back, to, I know that I'm, I'm glad that I sent it, not because it hurt you, and it did. Oh, they were offended. They were hurt by Paul's words. Man, he was tough on them. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. You weren't harmed by the harsh words. You weren't harmed by the by being called on the carpet. Please understand, it hurt, but it didn't harm you in any way. In fact, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. Josiah has been king for 18 years. Became king when he was eight. And up to this point, he's pretty much been ignorant of the law of God. Maybe he's heard some things and bits and pieces. And some might have, at at this point in in their life, realizing what Josiah realized, some, he's the king. God's going to curse my people, he said. Some might have allowed this great kind of sorrow to lead to a foolish act like suicide. 
God's going to destroy the kingdom, and it's my fault for not knowing how bad we really were. But how many of us have made decisions that perhaps were life-changing because we were driven by emotions and we didn't take the time to do what Josiah is about to do and seek God? How many of us have, in anger, in a moment of pain, in a moment of outrage, have made a decision that was life-changing? Well, I, I, They say that when you're going through a crisis in your life, loss of a loved one, maybe a breakup of your marriage, that is the worst time in your life to make some kind of life-changing decision. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell everything and move. That's not the time to make that kind of decision. How many of us have done something like that? We've made a decision, and later we were sorry for it because we know I made it simply because of emotion. I did not take the time to seek God. I find tremendous wisdom in this 26-year-old king. Look with me at verse 14. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, I thought I wouldn't have to read those names again. Those guys went to the newer Mishnah section of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, and the grandson of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. Just giving us, she was a real person, Here's her family, and she said to them, this prophetess, said to them, the Lord God, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Now, remember, we talked about this before. Um, When you see the word, the Lord, in your Bible, and it's printed in all caps in the Old Testament, it is being substituted for the name of God, Yahweh, right? The Lord, the God, Yahweh, the God of Israel has spoken. Go and tell the man who sent you, This is what the Lord says. Go tell the king. This is what the Lord says. I will destroy this city and its people just as I stated in the scroll you read. For my people have abandoned me and worship pagan gods and I am very angry with them for everything they've done. My anger is burning against this place and it will not be quenched. But God doesn't stop there. God says, but go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. Josiah, you were sorry, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. So I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. I will not send this promised disaster against this city until after you have died and be buried and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took the message back to the king. They go and they consult a prophet. A prophet was someone who in the days before the written word of God was completed spoke for God. They didn't have all the Bible that we have that we can go back and reference and learn. And the prophet would hear from God. They were chosen, these prophets were chosen by God to hear his word and sometimes whether it was in a dream or a vision and then declare it to the people. Now we don't have prophets like in that sense today because again we have the complete revelation of God, the Bible. 
And it's through, it's through this book. If you want to hear God speak and read his word, it's through this book that God reveals his word, which does not change. And if a prophet was wrong, by the way, what did the law say? If a prophet said, here's what God says, and turned out not to be true, didn't come to pass, God never said that. Or if they predicted something falsely, if they were found to be a false prophet, the penalty for doing that, which is essentially prophesying falsely, saying saying God said this when God didn't say it, the penalty for lying about what God said was to die. They would take them and stone them to death. That's pretty harsh for telling a lie, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. If that was the penalty today for telling a lie, who would still be in this room this morning? Hello? Yeah. None of us, because we've all, no doubt, sometime in our lives, not been exactly truthful about things. But it was so harsh because God always speaks truth, and he does not like to be misrepresented. Well, the closest prophet happened to be right there in town, in Jerusalem, a woman by the name of Huldah. Now, you might say, well, I thought all the prophets were men, and most of the prophets we know about were men. You know, the, all the books, the prophets' books in the back part of your Old Testament, all those guys were men. But we do know that there were legitimate, also legitimate female prophets. Miriam, Moses' sister, prophesied. Deborah, one of the judges, prophesied. In Josiah's day, there were more well-known prophets. Jeremiah was around somewhere. Zephaniah was living at this time, but apparently they were not close by. They were not in town. We don't know, but they went to find Huldah. She was a known prophet and asked her, what would God have to say now to Josiah? He is so sorry. What should he do? He wanted to know. He wanted to hear from God. We don't know anything more biblically about Huldah than what's mentioned right here. It's the only time we find her. And although she's only mentioned I hope you get this. Although she's only mentioned this one time in just a few paragraphs for this one prophecy, it was very significant, wasn't it? We believe here at Nags Head Church that no matter what your ministry, what your giftedness to serve God's family is, no no matter, matter what tasks you do to serve the Lord, none of them are insignificant. We never hear from this lady again. She didn't write a book in the Bible. Just this one time. Your ministry and your service may be one small piece of the puzzle. But please hear me, church. And I hope if you're part of this church, you have an active ministry that you're serving. Your ministry may only be one small small piece of the puzzle, but without your piece in there, the puzzle is what? It's incomplete. All right, we can't show it off. Put it up on the wall. I'm done with the puzzle. No, you're not. There's a piece missing. We know from other scriptures that Josiah, she said, this won't come to pass until after you die. And we know that Josiah from other scriptures would die in battle. But when he died, he died in peace, knowing that he had indeed been the catalyst for Judah's renewal. That four years after his death in the year 609 B.C., God's word that was spoken to Moses and written down in the book of Deuteronomy and Huldah's prophecy 
became true as, the Neb, as Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, came down from Babylon and led his first assault on Jerusalem. They found this lady, Hulda, and she did indeed have a clear word from God. God had spoken to her about this, and the word was that because when Josiah heard the word and humbled himself and was sorry, God would delay the curse on the nation until after Josiah died. Because Josiah repented, he would get the opportunity to turn his kingdom around. Now, that brings us to the next point about repentance. Repentance gives us a new start, but the scars of sin remain. When when I sin, personally, when I commit sin, it affects me, but it affects more than me. It may affect my wife. It may affect my family. It affects my church, perhaps. And repentance, repentance, which literally is a change of mind that leads to a changed behavior, repentance gets me back on the right path. Forgiveness, which is different from repentance, forgiveness, repentance is me changing my mind and, and, and allowing me to turn and go the right way. Forgiveness is that expression of God saying, I'm not holding you accountable anymore for that. It clears my account. It's the brother of repentance. But forgiveness and repentance, please hear me, do not undo the past. I mean, the past is past. We, we don't rewrite history, do we? If I get a ticket today driving home, which I don't plan to do, but I have been pulled over before by kind and friendly police officers. If, if I get a ticket today driving home, you know, I roll down my window and and I real, you know, when I see the blue lights, you know, what's the first thing you do? The blue lights in your mirror. What's the first thing you do? You look where? At my speedometer. <laughs> uh oh. Or as Scooby Doo would say, rot row. You know, you just know you've been about to get busted. I can apologize to the police officer. Officer, I am so so sorry. You know, like we often do, we blame things on somebody else. My wife, she just talking, talking, and I just wasn't paying attention, and you know. <laughs> Are you married? Do you understand? You know, or the kids back there? Uh, their kids are fighting, and I'm tr- just trying to get home in a hurry. I can apologize. I, I can start driving safely, which is a changed behavior from here on out. And I can confess what I've done as sin to God, and God promises to forgive me. But guess what? He's still going to say, would you sign this right here? And this is a promise on your part that you're going to either pay the fine or you're going to appear in court to find out whether or not you're guilty. You sign. How many of you have had that experience, by the way? Would you raise your hand? Oh, you sinner. For, okay, okay. <laughs> Me too. I, I still have to pay the fine. My insurance premium is likely to go up, but God, you forgave me. I said I was sorry, and now my insurance is $200 or more, more a year. God, what's up with that? Where's the forgiveness? Repentance gives us a new start, but the scars of sin remain. Sin, sin's past leaves scars. Josiah's life from this point on had new purpose as he led his people to walk with God. Next week, we're going to get into chapter 23 and see what he did. 
And be ready to put your seat belts on. In this next step of reformation, God has warned, had warned his people from the law that if they disobeyed and broke his commandments, they would be what? What was the word that the law used? They would be what? Cursed. Whoa. And he kept that promise, although he offered a period of grace to Josiah for his humility and repentance. Last point for me. Some more to come. But the next point is God has provided an escape from the curse of the law. Here's the good news. We all sin, we all break God's laws, and as a result, we too are born under a curse called death. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all born under that curse, and we will die because of our sin. One thing is true about all of us. All of us, everybody in this room, unless Christ returns first, we all die. That's bad news, but there is good news. And the good news is that through Jesus Christ, God made a way that would come 600 years after Josiah's lifetime. And that way that God provided brought exemption for you and me from the law. After we sing, Pastor Steve Wise is going to come and lead us to the Lord's table and tell us about freedom from that curse. We do communion to um, remember what Jesus has done for us, and we do it until he returns for us. Um, A poet once wrote, he came to die on a cross of wood, yet made the mount upon which it stood. One day Jesus was eating with his disciples, and he took a piece of bread on the table and a cup of wine, and and he used that as an illustration of his body. The bread, of course, would be broken, and that would illustrate the... uh, the uh, spikes and the spear in the side and, and being beating the thorns and all, all that caused his blood to flow um, was illustrated by the broken uh, bread. The uh, cup illustrated his blood, and his blood is what cleanses us from our sins, makes us, allows us to have that open relationship with God and um, uh, gives us the forgiveness of sins that we need. Um, we use this today to illustrate and remember what Jesus has done for us. Anyone who knows Jesus as their personal Savior is welcome to take communion with us. Um, If you don't yet know him, watch what we're doing. Think about what we've said and consider receiving Jesus as your Savior today. Galatians 3.13 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For in it is written, for it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The same curse that fell on Judah for their disobedience and sin hangs over us. But the good news is that God has provided Jesus uh, to be our substitute, to um, take our place on the cross, to take the curse for us in, uh, in our place. Today we're here to remember him, to worship him. For in his death, we have life. The guys are coming now forward to um, pass out the uh, elements. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. 
visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.